Welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 121. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And this week's episode, I gotta return to this well once every few months because it's something I adore, something I have adored for a long time. We're talking pro wrestling this week with Nick Gossert. And he is the creator, the booker, the head referee, the main dude at Lucha Libre and Laughs. Now, if you haven't been to a Lucha Libre and Laughs show, you got to check it out. You got to hit it up because it's an experience, man. And two years in a row, it's won best comedy show in Denver. Westward Best of Denver. Lucha Libre and Laughs has won twice. And in talking to Nick, I get why it's so fun. Because Nick, first of all, is just a really, really good dude. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. He's just a really good dude. And my basic life philosophy and my work philosophy is work hard and be nice to people. That's really all there is to it. And he subscribes to the same thing. Make sure you pay your talent. Make sure you treat them right. Make sure everyone has a really good time. And you know what? The rest will take care of itself. He works his ass off to promote the show and to provide a great product for his audience. And it seems to be paying off for him. So more power to him. He's a great dude. Secondly, I love this episode because it's a super inside look into the other side of the pro wrestling business. Now on this show previously, I've talked to Rob Risen, who is an independent wrestler. He lives in Florida now. I've spoken to Nathan Lund, who's a commentator at Lucha Libre and Laughs, and also a fan. And Nick is definitely a fan, but he's also booking shows. He's also trying to get asses in the seats. And talking about that side was fascinating to me. You know, how do you get big-name talent? How do you structure your card? How far out is he thinking about his storylines? And all those answers are within this show and a lot more. I could not be more thrilled to bring this episode to you. And unfortunately, I am fighting illness. I don't know if you can hear that in my voice, but... In the middle of the night, woke up feeling like death, so putting together this intro, uh, I'm high on a lot of cold medicine, so a uh, big day for me, big day for all involved, and uh, I'm going to cut this short. So, a few plugs before we get started. iTunes and Stitcher are great ways to stay up on John of All Trades. We have an eclectic and diverse array of guests. It's different every week. I try and bring you interesting people and interesting shows all across the employment spectrum, and this week's show is no different. So subscribe at iTunes uh, or get us into your feed in Stitcher. While you're there, give us a rating, give us a review. That helps the algorithm in some way. I'm not really sure how, but uh, two great ways. You don't even have to do any work. Episodes get delivered right to you. Additionally, we're on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Pinterest. Those are all under J-O-A-T pod. So find us there. Stay up to date on John of All Trades. we got different stuff on each of those platforms, so... Uh, all fun ways of staying up with the podcast. Now, let's get to episode 121 here on the John of All Trades podcast. We're gearing up for the Royal Rumble. That is one of WWE's marquee events. It kicks off the road to WrestleMania. And Lucha Libre and Laughs is coming at you Friday, January 20th. Go to the John of All Trades website, J-O-N of all trades dot U-S, for all the details about Lucha Libre and Laughs. But for now, enjoy this week's episode with Nick Gossard. It is episode 121 of the John of All Trades podcast. He is the main dude, the head honcho, the booker man at Lucha Libre and Laughs. His episode starts right now. Hey, 
because I've been watching um, Lucha Underground. Um, okay. So much Lucha Underground. I caught up on season two. And so it's like there are so many episodes of that yeah. that for the last two months I've just been you know, binging season one, season two of Lucha Underground and now getting into season three. Okay. I think you're going to be underwhelmed by season three. I well, bet. I mean, I saw the... Uh, <laughs> not, I, not to set you up for failure here, but... Um, just setting up some of my good friends for failure. I see how it is. <laughs> Uh, if Martin Casaus is listening to this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what this man is saying. <laughs> who, uh, who are your guys there? Uh, Marty the Moth, okay, uh, Martin Casaus. Nice. He was our uh, the Lucha Libre and Laughs champion um, right. during the summertime after they finished season two. Paul London, um, oh, who's yeah. on season three now. He um, he's been doing a lot of shows for Primos now, and he's a lot of fun to hang out with yeah. and do uh, to referee for. Oh man, he yeah, he seems like a cool guy. Uh, and it was funny when the New Day was pursuing the, the tag team championship like record. You know they were citing London and Kendrick because WWE had that falling out with B- Bill Eady, and yep. so like they're not talking about demolition. And then they surpass London and Kendrick, and all of a sudden demolition reemerges. And so yeah, WWE is very funny with the way they try like they try to like erase people and. Like bent history. For when their was angles. the last time you heard Hulk Hogan mentioned? Well, did you see the uh, list that they put out for the uh, you know, winners of the Royal Rumble? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, let's just say one name was missing, and uh, ah, T who shall not be named. Yeah, but it, it's funny. Instead of like like forgetting the year, they put Eddie Guerrero for the winner. It's like no. Um, <laughs> it's like who do you think you're dealing with when you're talking about pro wrestling on the internet? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it's it's like yeah, where it's like. I'm sorry. Why don't you go to a uh, Star Trek convention and? Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's so funny. It's like uh, we all like I can name. There's a Sporkle quiz. Like name the Royal Rumble winners, and that's one of the easiest ones. You know because there was a time in my life where I could name every Intercontinental Champion forwards and backwards. Oh, it's absolutely. Im- it's impossible now. Oh yeah. Right? No. I mean, you could do that up to call it uh, up to the first brand split, right? Maybe yeah. up to 2002. And, you know, there were some weird reigns in there. Like Albert, I think, uh, ha- had the title and, you know, Lance Storm and there were all these people. And, uh, but now, you know, that's harder to do, but the Rumble's once a year. So it's easy to sort of, if you're in this the way I am, it, it, it's easy to do that. And you go, come on, WWE, you're better than this. Maybe yeah. you're not. No, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Yeah, like the one I'm going to be interested in seeing is when uh, they start doing the, okay, this person is close to holding the title for this long. You know, the first thing they're going to make sure to make a big celebration about is when they surpass CM Punk. Oh, yeah. Just to just try to, like, just break his name down even further. Oh, yeah. And when he was in, like, in the thick of that falling out and they were showing all the uh, all the people Undertaker had beaten at WrestleMania. His name was mysteriously missing from that list. Yep, no clips of that one, despite that being honestly one of my favorite build-ups and matches, period. Yeah, that and that was the best match on that card, too. Oh, God, yeah. Like, by far, which is crazy. And, you know, I love Punk. I'm, I was sorry to see what happened to him in the UFC. I can't say I was terribly surprised because so many of these guys have been training this for so long. And it's the highest level of competition. Yeah, it's it, he did. I mean, he walked up against a guy who was 
you know, still kind of at that same level. But here's the thing. When you are rocketing towards 40 and you have had a brutal pro wrestling career, pro oh, yeah. wrestling is not good for your body. No. Um, it's actually, I think it's like just a notch below heroin as far <laughs> as things that will just, just be bad for you. And on top of that, he's not a guy who had a amateur wrestling background right. or like a golden gloves background. He didn't have like those prerequisites that you needed to Yeah, like translate. a base. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, that's why you see the pro wrestlers that have done well. You know, Bobby Lashley, you know, comes to mind. Um, Brock. Bro, you know, Brock, he seems to have done all right for himself. <laughs> Just a bit. Um, you know, and those guys, you know, they had that compet- like legit competitive background right. that just translates smoothly, even if you're away from it for a few years. Sure. Um, did you ever see Batista's MMA fight? <laughs> no, I didn't. He fought, um, you know, it was one of those things. He just wanted to do it, but he did right. it the right way where he fought in like some... Like, like little goofball, like um, a regional, yeah, type a regional deal, right? thing, small MMA thing, somewhere up in the uh, northeast. Fought some fat goofball who also didn't have a fight. Some and, tomato can. Yeah, well, he won a decision. Um, it wasn't anything that was going to make the papers or any highlight right. reels, but he went out there, he ground out a victory, and he's like, "Cool, well, I did that." Um, he did that at the level he should have done it at, mm-hmm. and you know, he seems to be doing all right for himself now too. Yeah, well. Batista is is one of those interesting cases to me where he comes back, he wins the Royal Rumble, gets the shit boot out of him. You know, he's the, and everyone's calling him Bootista and Bluetista. Bluetista was my favorite because of the blue tights. Heads off and leaves and somehow becomes a bigger star thanks to Guardians in the Galaxy, which I'd like to add he was great in. Oh, he's amazing. And I mean just his clips in the trailer for yeah. part 2 made me laugh out loud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, he uh, he's he's gone on record several times about how much he hated that uh, that return to WWE <laughs> because yeah. they kind of they really kind of misled him on a lot of things. And right. he comes back and they're like, oh, well, now you're going to be a baby face. He's like, I'm a heel. I've always been a heel. I'm only good as a heel. Yeah, they're going to hate me as a baby face. <laughs> like, no, 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 they're going to love you. Yeah, they did not. No, and and slated to be him against Randy Orton, and you're looking at him, and if you're the average fan. What is the distinction between the two of them? You've got one ripped, shaved-headed, tattooed, you know, essential, essentially douchebag-looking guy going against another shaved-headed, tattooed, douchebag-looking guy. Yeah, and they're both guys who uh, really, you know, were, you know, guys who have been around forever. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing fresh about it. You know, nothing really enticing about it. No, exactly. So it's funny. I'm sitting here with Nick Gossert, and you are... What, the head honcho? The booker man at Triple uh, L? That'd be the way to put it. For Lucha Libre and Laughs, I'm the promoter, I'm the booker, I'm the hapless referee. <laughs> and uh, so you know what pro wrestling does to your body, because I've see- I'm have i friends with you on Facebook, and you post some photos of, you're you're right there in the action, and, and you're taking bumps and you're getting hit, right? I mean, yeah, I've taken a number of, uh, a number of hits, a number of bumps, I've been laid out, I've been thrown out of rings, I've been... Chased and beaten by children with straps because uh, it's a strap match gone wrong. That actually happened. It was horrifying. That sounds terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a. Uh, wasn't one of my shows. It was a show up in Colorado Springs where uh, the babyface thought it'd be. They thought it'd be funny to give all these kids plastic plastic belts essentially, <laughs> and he was going to take the heel out of the ring, bend him over, and have him you know beat sure. him. Well, something went wrong with a uh, with me you know getting uh, super kicked and knocked out. Well, suddenly were we you had- knocked out legit or? Wrestling is a real fight, man. I don't know why you would question are, are that. Are we talking kayfabe or shoot here? Oh, boy. You're just exposing the business already. <laughs> 30, not even not even, not even, even really into this, and already it's all going to heck. We're less no, than was, 10 minutes in. And- yeah. 
Uh, but no, no, it was a situation where, you know, it was supposed to be a, a ref bump. I take the super kick, boom, I'm down. Yeah. And then, um, I don't, something weird happened where like a spot got missed. Well, suddenly I have to take the heat. The babyface takes me out because now I look like the bad guy and tells the kids <laughs> to beat me. Oh, Jesus. Those kids whipped me like I was a runaway slave. <laughs> oh, no. My bat, like, I looked like I got pushed out of a moving car that night. Like, really? Yeah, I, uh, um, like, I actually had to sleep on my stomach for three straight days because my back looked like I, like I said, it was like, like one of those. Like you were with a Thai sunburns. hooker. Yeah, it's, uh, and then I still had to go out and a uh, referee another match after that. Yikes. I think that's one of the, the underappreciated aspects of what's going on and perhaps you can shed some insight for people who don't and i don't know how much you want to talk about this how much you want to pull back the curtain but how integral the ref is to uh almost directing traffic in the ring i mean obviously there's the performative aspect of it where you are ostensibly in control and frequently if you've watched any pro wrestling doing a poor job at it in terms of an objective analysis of of the ref's place but in terms of how a match comes together what role does a ref play? Uh, I mean, it's actually more important than I think a lot of people think. It's more important than I knew it was when I first got into it. Mm-hmm. Because, A, it's your job. You're the guy who really ties it together to make it look like an authentic sporting event. Right. You know, you're the one who has to enforce the rules. <laughs> right. You know, you're the one who has to, you know, pull people apart and chide them for cheating. And, and count uh, to five. Like, you got to break in the corner. That yeah, kind of thing, you know, right? you got to get between them and pull them apart. Right. And so you have to make it look real when, you know, a dude in a dragon mask is fighting another dude in his underwear. <laughs> right. Um, and... You know, you have to, like I said, you really tie it together as far as making it look real. And also, you, you're the passer of messages. You're the keeper mm. of time. So, you know, if a 10-minute match is coming up, you know, you let them know at five minutes. You let them know at eight minutes. So everybody's gotcha. able to pace things out. Um, if somebody has an idea, you know, they're the one – you're the one who gets, you know, told, you know, tell them to, you know – Turn around the corner, give me a stunner. You know, yeah, you're yeah, the ones yeah. who passes the messages along. Okay. So yeah, you're you kind of get that dual role of making it look real and also keeping the structure and the time if it needs. Gotcha. So are you I mean, to what extent are are you kind of doing that on the fly or if you're sort of in planning mode, you know, what's the balance there in terms of planning it out in advance versus uh, things that happen spontaneously in the ring? It's like the spontaneity in the ring is usually I mean, that's, that, that happens very rarely. Very rarely are people are like, ah, we'll just call it in the ring. Cause right. most people who think they can call it in the ring should not be doing that. They're not good <laughs> enough. Um, but also, you know, so it's like pretty much if I'm walking out there, um, the questions I always ask the guys, uh, what do I need to know? What's the finish? Yeah, perfect. So it's like if they're got a spot planned that I'm not supposed to, something I'm not supposed to catch, something I am supposed to catch. Okay. Something where somebody's going to duck out of the way and I'm going to get kicked in the face and all heck's right. going to break loose. Um, yeah, cause I mean, you don't want to botch a finish on a wrestling match. Yeah. Um, I've done it exactly once. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, it was not a hundred percent my fault. Right. Um, but a, um, a couple of, uh, wrestlers, um, Canadian, we'll say, okay. uh, from a, from a famous family. Okay. And one of them was floating on a green cloud here in Colorado in Amazing. the ring. And uh, let's just say the finish looked nothing like what I was told. I, gotcha. you know, waved it off. Turns out that was supposed to be the end. Gotcha. And uh, I think I have a pretty good handle on who that is. And uh, I can imagine he reacted unfavorably to that. You could say that. <laughs> you think that's fair. Okay. Um, how did you 
come to become a referee? I mean, like, when when people sort of are are thinking about if you grow up a fan of pro wrestling, right? Which I'm assuming you did. Oh yeah. I mean, how, how long have you been into it? What was your first sort of pro wrestling memory? You know, it's that like blur of childhood where, yeah. uh, you know, we like I remember being a kid, me and all my friends, we would gather around the TV and watch for us, you know, the Saturday night show or Saturday night show. Yeah. Um, you know, just a blur of macho man, honky tonk man, yeah. um, all of that, you know, all of that. And then. You know, it, as a kid, it was always very interesting because you'd watch all the squash matches leading up. And then, of course, we're, you know, we don't even understand how you get a pay-per-view, let alone get a pay-per-view. <laughs> right. So then you just find out who won the next week and then keep going. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the prerequisite of uh, that of just beating the crap out of each other in the backyard. Sure. Cause you know, you're at that age, you don't understand fake or like not fake, but uh, predetermined versus real. So, <laughs> right. you know, I think everybody as a kid spent a good amount of time just shoot clothesline and DDTing your friends under the lawn. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, you, you brought that up fake versus predetermined, which to me, that's something that has always bothered me as a wrestling fan. When people are like, you know, that's all fake, right? It's like, uh, yeah, dude, I know that they're not actually punching the shit out of each other. They'd be dead if they hit each other with, with the things that they're hitting each other with. But, uh, you're also aware that virtually every piece of entertainment you've ever consumed in your life is also what you would call fake. Like, yeah. Well, it's also, it's, you know, it's like I said, using the term predetermined as opposed to fakes. It's still a serious athletic competition. Oh, yeah. And these guys are still taking bumps. And, you yeah, because a lot of people don't understand just how solid that ring is. <laughs> and when you take a suplex off of it or like a crazy, you know, off the top, that that's a lot of impact. Yeah. You know, even though, I mean, those ropes are not soft. You know, when you hit those ropes. They're steel cables, basically. Yeah, right? exactly. So, yeah, when people are like, oh, you, you do, the, you know, tell Russell, oh, you do that fake shit. It's like, first of all, <laughs> like, where do, where do I even begin with how wrong what you just right. said is? <laughs> right. Let's it's, unpack this. Yeah. It's like, first of all, it's kind of like saying, oh, boy, you know, you're uh, you're a gymnast. I hear that's predetermined, man. You're not just <laughs> it's not it's not a real sport. <laughs> right. Um, well, it's like, uh, you know, Bruce Willis is not actually John McClane. Right. You know, he didn't actually walk on that broken glass. And it's like, what, what are you telling me? What, it's like, are we willing to do suspension of disbelief or not? Like that, that's all it takes. And granted, it may take a slightly higher threshold to get there with pro wrestling, but once you do and you allow yourself to get in, uh, absorbed in the magic and the entertainment and the fun, the pure fun, right? Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where I, I really, if you are like, oh man, wrestling's fake and stupid, you know, it's not, uh, blah. and if you go to a wrestling show, and if you are not having fun by about 20 minutes in, I guarantee you, you are just holding the fun in out of spite so you're not proven wrong. Right. Uh, I think that's well stated. Um, so how did you come to get into refereeing? And, you know, it, it, is that a byproduct of uh, sort of your role in Lucha Libre and Laughs or did that emerge first? Um, actually, I refereed beforehand. Okay. Um, it was uh, me and my pal, uh, Nate Balding. We would uh, go to like these Lucha shows up in Commerce City. Mm -hmm. uh, got to know some of the guys, got to know one of the promoters and, uh, you know, and then uh, ended up, uh, I think the first time I was in the ring was 
Nathan Lund hit me up because they were doing too much fun or too oh. much fun festival. Oh, fun! And yeah. uh, they were like, "Oh, we'd like to get some wrestling involved at Castleman." So I was like, "Hey, can we put together some some, some <laughs> Castleman?" Holy shit! Yep. You know, so they put together matches, and I was just like, "I want a referee." So I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna put. I'm gonna. Ins- that's gonna be like my writer on this uh, deal I'm putting together. <laughs> right. I had no clue what to do in this thing outside of the you know count to three. So right. I wasn't breaking things up on the ropes properly. I wasn't pull doing pull aparts. I was just I was garbage. Were in you there. in the way too? No, not so much. Okay. Like I wasn't in the way, but I was I was I didn't know like what to do. Right. And they were and so yeah, it took a while to you know, but then like I got invited back to do it again and like you I just learned like the little things. And uh you know, so by the time we did Lucha Libre and Laughs, I probably had like I mean, only like seven matches under my belt, but at least I knew enough. Yeah, sure, of course. So yeah, so it's you know one of those things where you know it's, it's funny. Like I, I occasionally look at like the first year of Lucha Libre and last. I'm like, oh, that first year of you know being in the business. Uh, <laughs> you know, I refereed like twenty matches. Now that's like. A, a month for me. Like, that's, okay. you know, because I referee for so many promotions. Oh, really? Yeah, because, I mean, I'll referee, obviously, for Lucha Libre and Laughs. Of course. I referee for Primos. And uh, usually, and then I also have done a lot of um, stuff for uh, DWO in New Mexico. Wow. Okay. Where Jeff Jarrett told me I was the drizzling shits. <laughs> uh, that's tremendous. Uh, did you ask him about holding up Vince for money in 1999? No, I'm sure he was just going to try to sell me I'm sure he would have loved that. Yeah, he was probably just going to try to sell me gold bars out of the back of his car. <laughs> <laughs> to get GWF off the ground? Yep. Did you ever watch that? The uh, uh, No, I didn't for, watch it. Like, for, the, for the listeners uh, out there, uh, look up Global Force Wrestling Gold <laughs> to see Jeff Jarrett in full carny mode trying to convince you to send him, his e- your, send him your email so he can try to sell you gold bars. <laughs> Uh, oh man, that that's like old school wrestling. Oh, absolutely! Like that sounds like something Jim Hurd would do. Oh, absolutely! Or, it's 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 like yeah, just the just trying to work every yeah. angle for a dollar. Yeah, uh, gotta love Jared. Although I will say, when he first did the Double J, like when he came into WWE in like what was that ninety two, ninety three, something like that. Yeah, it was right around that time, uh, ninety four maybe. Um, whatever the case, I was fully bought into that character. And what's weird is I don't give a shit about country music or I didn't at the time. I, you know, kind of got into it now, but there was something about his delivery and something about his, his ostentatiousness. And there was that trope in wrestling for a long time where you had characters who were using the WWE as a means to a different end, right? Because he wanted to be the biggest star in Nashville. And I thought, what a weird motivation for a pro wrestler to have. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you using the WWE to get into country music? That that seems ridiculous to me, and I'm 13. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but I, I, there was something about that that I found impossibly charming. Uh, then he beat Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental title, and I go, hey, all right, my guy won something. There you go. Yeah. So how long have you been refereeing, then? Um, get, like, probably about four, four and a half years at this point. Okay. Did you go through, like, did you uh, go into any wrestling school or anything? Did you take bumps or anything like no, that? No, I did. I, I, well, I mean, I have uh, my background, bef- like, before comedy was uh, MMA. 
Okay. So like I've had I've had the crap kicked out of me by people <laughs> right. who thought on pay per view. So okay. it's like I'm pretty like I'm, I'm pretty good. Any at, names you want to drop? Um. Well, I used to be like one of the you know, I used to be a sparring partner for uh, for Mike Nichols. Oh yeah, big was, Mike Nichols. Yeah, big Mike. Yeah, he he fractured my eye socket pretty good once. Uh, you know, Dwayne Ludwig's another guy who's beating the crap out of me. Wow. Um, you know, a lot of guys over at the Grudge. You know, for yeah. back in those days. Apparently, I have the uh, the the my left I have the left hip of a uh, eighty year old man. So I had hey, to, nice. Uh, yeah, so I had to get out of that business. <laughs> um, and but yeah, so it's like I'm I, I have a good ring awareness going into it. I got you. But yeah, I really if I was oh, no, I'm really lazy. So if I had it all to do it over again, I'd do it exactly the same. <laughs> but I pretty much like I just went in and did it. Did it badly. Did right. it a little bit less badly. Got like a DVD seminar of uh, Jimmy Corderas going over how to referee. Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy Corderas. You know, pro wrestling, uh, um, you know, uh, legendary referee Jimmy Corderas. So. And during that referee strike angle, I think he was the scab, right? Didn't he? If I remember correctly, yeah. I think he was. Mm-hmm. Um, when they had the scab referees, like Steve Lombardi, you know, and, and they brought all these guys in and Jimmy Corderas crossed the picket line, which mm-hmm. I thought was an interesting angle that they didn't do enough with, but. Yeah, and it was then it was just like you know once uh, you know I started being on you know being a little more serious about it you know just wa- when I would watch matches I would watch the ref and see mm. how they stay out of the way see how they react you know see like they're a little like just to pick up all those little things yeah and it's one of those things where if you're a wrestling fan you do end up watching the ref there's there's a match between I want to say Chris Jericho and The Rock and it's when uh, Jericho is pursuing the title. You can see Charles Robinson say to the or say to Jericho because the rock's getting close to the ropes. He goes to Jericho. He's like, "Pull back!" And uh, Jericho drags him to the middle of the ring. And I'm like, "Man, Charles Robinson doesn't usually call spots that loud." <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. I, I'm I love two things: uh-huh. really good wrestling and really bad wrestling. Sure. I love a good botch mania, and it's always <laughs> funny when you see like guys who are at that level because one thing you do um I you know I've heard this from several people is in developmental one thing you do is do practice matches in dead silence. Oh god. And and uh so that they're listening to see how loud you call spots. Oh, interesting. And then it's funny cuz you'll still see at the top t- you know the top level like I forgot who he was working. I think it was uh um Ambrose, but uh like Ambrose, like grabbed a chair or something like that, and like seeing it just just says heavy once and I'll go down. <laughs> it's like, like picked up by the mic fully. It's yeah, like, totally. It's funny uh, of the guys working today in WWE. And by the way, like if, if you don't want to hear spots called, don't watch it on your laptop with your headphones in. Oh yeah, because you'll hear it a lot more. If you're watching it on TV and you're kind of far away from it, you'll never notice. Mm-hmm. But the loudest spot caller in my estimation is Seth Rollins. Uh, like you, you just hear him. He's so loud, and he's got that voice. It's almost like a can of worms voice, you know. And yeah, it's, it's something where he, has, if he, yeah, he picks up as a, as a different frequency. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll cut through, uh, you know, sort of the basic din uh, of the crowd, and you go, God, Seth, maybe a little bit quieter in terms of calling the spots. <laughs> There's this one referee in NXT, and I don't know his name, but he calls. Uh, he doesn't call, but he works all the women's matches. Oh yeah. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. He's like the well-built guy. You know, he's he's like a good-looking guy, real tan. That guy is amazing because you know you watch. I think it's fair to say that uh, there's not as many chances for women to get at bats in the independent wrestling scene as maybe there is for men. Right? Is that fair or no? It's. It's. I mean, it's not necessarily because I I hate saying this. There's. Not as many really good female wrestlers right. on the independent level. And the reason is 
you'll have a lot of people who like the, the you know, there's trainers that are just sexist mm-hmm. and there's also girls who get by on their looks and physique. I mean, but that's true with males as well. Right. Of course you do have few, but you also have fewer uh, women getting into the business to begin with. Right. I mean, it's probably yeah, it's a much smaller pool. Yeah. It's at, you know, at least a 10 to one ratio. Sure. And because it's a smaller pool, anybody who shows any level of uh, potential gets snatched up by big companies immediately. Okay. I got gotcha. um, Like for example, like right now, because you know, we had that big move of women from NXT to WWE. Well, they're replenishing that in a big way. Yeah, I got gotcha. And that's why you have people like, um, you know, like uh, Loveless and uh, um, Kimberly, like mm-hmm. they, all the top independent women, just crazy Mary Dobson. They right. all just, they all got signed. They all moved up. Right. Because like, like I said, there's just always that like top like okay. like five to ten ladies, and as soon as the first batch goes to RAW, they grab them all up, and well, now it's uh, the you know the top ones. I mean, Candice LeRae has been a top for you know top female performer for a long time. You know the low fist Lou Fistos, Jessica Havoc, gals like that that right. are now hitting that top level because that previous one went away. I understand. Okay, but I I think my point still stands. Whereas, just in a much different way. Whereas someone can toil away in the independent scene for a very long time and get a lot of at bats wrestling. It's not that there aren't opportunities for women. It's just that they don't get as many at bats before they go into developmental. Oh, absolutely. Right. So, you know, you look at someone like Ambrose who wrestled on the independent scene forever. Rollins, you know, as, as Tyler Black was on the independent scene for a very long time. Tyler Black, who was defeated once by, by current triple L champion Lonnie (laughs) Valdez. That same the plug, the very same, <laughs> and that was well played. When they get there, they don't necessarily need a referee to 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 call the spots the way this referee in NXT seems to work all the women's matches and seems to be very integral in terms of the way a match flows, the way it's structured, um, because he does have it appears to be many more at bats compared to. Uh, the two competitors in there who probably haven't been at this as long because they've shown some potential, because they've shown some talent, uh, they're already there in prime time. So it's almost like an assist uh, in a way. Is that fair to say? It is. And also when you're at that level, if it's t- if it's WWE TV, uh, referee has an earpiece right. uh, and he has one of the top, uh, you know, one of the top uh, agents, promoters. Uh, it used to be Vince, which I'm sure was very intimidating, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes calling things on the fly, right. giving you the go home. So, yeah, there's a, you know, a lot more going on at that level as opposed to the indie level where it's just like, you know, like I said, just like, you know, all right, that's 10 minutes. Take it home. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm curious as a promoter. One of the criticisms, I don't know if you watch Bring It to the Table on the WWE Network. I don't. Um, it, it sucked. Um, it's basically JBL and Paul Heyman telling internet fans to shut up. Yep, that's kind of the, the what I heard. Um, it, it's not something I enjoyed and something I plan to watch again. Rosenberg is the host. He did pretty good, but overall, not not something that I would come back to. But the basic vibe is, you know, you've never been in the ring. You've never booked. So your criticism is irrelevant of our product, right? You are someone who has booked, who has been in the ring, who has put together cards, who has tried to get butts in the seats and done so successfully. Can you tell me a little bit about your, if you have a booking philosophy, if, you know, how do you approach booking a card? How do you work with your stable of talent? You know, how... How does that interplay unfold for you? I, I'm just interested in the insight of someone who is booked. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, it kind of the it's been a big learning curve for me, of course. Of course, of course sure. Because uh, at first it was just the, here's the, like, nine guys I know. Um, <laughs> let's just kind of throw it all together. Let's pair them up. And... Yeah, just make make things happen. Um, <laughs> and the more nuanced I got, it was, you know, because I started re- – because, I, I mean, it took a while before I went, boy, I hope this show doesn't end. You know, it's, it took a while <laughs> before I had confidence this thing was a continuing product. <laughs> I mean, the first year we did it, we did six shows. In okay. 2016, we did 17 shows. Nice. Clearly, when you have that many shows, you can get a lot more continuity going. Yeah. So you're able to say, okay, cool, we're going to take this tag team. Uh, we're going to give them 50-50 booking for a few months. Mm. And then they're going to lose to the champs twice. And then we're going to do a tournament, and then they're going to go over and get the belts. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, you could have the guys who go you know, over, over, over. Well, they're on a steamroll. Well, then it looks like... You know, they're, of course, going to, you know, win this tournament. Well, then they they put over these other guys. And it's not like a crazy, oh, it's a swerve, we got you. But it does, Mm -hmm. you take the expectations and you change them. You know, and then you'll do things like, for example, um, you know, the guy who held onto the belt for quite a while, uh, Royce Isaacs. Yeah. Oh, so I'll take a step back. Uh, you know, when we kind of created the belt, um, this guy, uh, Xander Creed had the belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we put it, then I was going to put it on a random goofball <laughs> just for a show. And then, uh, Royce Isaacs was going to come out and destroy him. Right. Well, Royce Isaacs destroyed his, uh, um, AC joint and he was out for months. Wow. So I was like, crap, what do I, what do I got to do? I don't want this guy to have the belt. So what we did is we did a big, crazy, um, six way for with the belt on the line right and we put it on the most unlikely wrestler anybody would have thought of we put it on this guy johnny crash <laughs> who's you know he's a a larger wrestler he's just a you know routinely just a job or a low level guy yeah but because nobody saw that coming it had a great reaction nice uh similarly we um you know we we had after royce had a good a long run he beat uh marty the moth from lucha underground mm-hmm. well the next month i brought him back and, you know, because it was a cheap finish. Right. And here's how indie wrestling typically works. You know, you bring in the big names, they put over your talent, or, you know, they wrestle each other yeah, for, yeah. for a marquee match. I decided to change the expectations, and Martin Casaus beat Royce Isaacs for the title. That place <laughs> went ballistic. <laughs> wow. Um, and then, like I said, so that's you're able to, you know, create a level of drama at the top because if you're just like, oh, this guy's going to win, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it's, you still appreciate the art of it. Sure. But the drama, needs to be a little bit, uh, you know, a little more unstable. Same thing like with the mid-card. You know, you'll take, you'll have to figure out, okay, this is the mid-card babyface, this is the mid-card um, tag team, mm-hmm. and you've got to figure out a way to not have somebody lose constantly so they have no credibility in the ring. Right. Uh, but meanwhile, you have to build up babyfaces to lose to your, you know, heel champion, or you have to build up heels to lose to your babyface champion. Right. And that's where you can drop uh, name guys in the middle and sometimes you have them go over. Um, for example, the most disastrous show we've ever done was, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure the pavilion still doesn't even want me mentioning their, their, their name attached to this, but it was, like down at 16th and Glenarm. Yeah. Okay. We, we, uh, we did a show down there and it was a disaster top to finish. Why? Because we did a thing with them last October 
where uh, we were part of the zombie crawl. There we, you know, they put up the ring in the street. They had like arts and crafts. We did a uh, um, like essentially a Royal Rumble style match and like a few other ones. Nice. We had uh, like a good twelve hundred people watching it. It was a blast. Yeah. So they wanted to bring us back for the uh, summer and the, so the meet in the street summer thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't think this through. <laughs> so they wanted because I didn't understand the scope of what they wanted. They wanted almost five hours of entertainment. Holy hell. And like WrestleMania level. Yeah, exactly. And they the ring was in the middle of the street. Well, I didn't think about the fact it was early July. Mm. That ring you could have cooked an egg on by the oh, time no. the first match. Uh, so it was so hot. I remember standing in the ring and my feet were burning. Oh, God. Through my shoes. Wow. So guys weren't able to put on great, really great matches because the canvas was so hot. Yeah. They had like a bolt. They had like the worst sound system. I mean, you actually had to unplug the microphone to plug the music in. Oh, Jesus. The uh, backstage was like a block away. And because the um, announcer for the pavilions would just like start announcing things. <laughs> so the music would be playing two minutes and then a guy would be running for like a block away <laughs> to get in the ring. Just and, blown up like the ultimate oh, warrior. Yeah, it, was, it was just, it was just a disaster. And it's too hot for people to come out. So there was like 150 people watching way back in the shadows yeah. trying to catch the shade. Yeah. The energy was terrible. Um, but we had, uh, um, Arya Davari. Oh, nice. Who's now on, uh, you know, on Raw and on 205. And, um, we had him, uh, work one of our top baby faces, Caleb Crush. Mm-hmm. Well, usually that in, in those type of things, you would have, you know, the local guy go over, but I decided to have the, you know, out of town sure. heel go over. But we had much, much better expectations for what was going to, uh, you know, happen crowd wise. Cause we also had a show at the Oriental the next week. Mm-hmm. So we were like, Oh yeah, we'll bring in like a thousand people and we'll sell, <laughs> you know, a bunch of people on this product. Didn't work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> And actually, it ended up being a double disaster because um, so Davari comes out and he does his heel move. He's like cuts a promo, cuts it in Farsi. He's like, and he goes, "Let nice. me translate that for you, dumb Americans." My name's Shikari Davari, and I'm the best wrestler from the best wrestling country, Iran. Yeah. And then Caleb Crush got a USA chant going. So they have the great match. They actually had a gr- an amazing match for what they could do in the heat. Yeah, of course. Uh, they powder out, and the uh, people who put it together are like, "Nick, how could you do that to us?" I'm like. <laughs> What are you talking about? Like, yeah, you, you, you just, I can't believe you did that to us. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't realize you were going to do this racist bit and oh, stir Jesus. up like anti-Muslim, fo- you know, uh, sentiment. I'm like, what are you? You know, when something's so strange, your brain can't process yeah, yeah. it. Like you, maybe you misheard it. Cause that's the only yeah. thing that makes sense. They somehow interpreted that as us like doing the most, like being incredibly racist. They're like, they had a guy who's like, <laughs> We're going to have to get on social media to monitor for uh, for blowback so we can do damage control. You're like, no. I'm like, there were 200 people out there at best, and they are all mm-hmm. chanting USA. And they're like, yeah, we can't. You know, we can never bring you back. You'll never oh be able God. to do a show here again. And I, it was such a bad experience. I wouldn't want to have done a show there sure. again. But it was just like, I'm like, oh, God. Well, I finally had people kind of calm down a little bit. And then the heel in the next match called a bunch of children cocksuckers from shit town. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that was a... Oh, that's the, that's the nail in the coffin. Well, that was it there. That would actually concern me. The, I mean, what you're talking about is a fairly standard trope in, in pro wrestling. Oh, going back to the 50s at going, least. Going back to the 1920s. I mean, George Hackenschmidt. Yeah, exactly. The, the, you know, what was that, 1908? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it was, yeah, they go back, it's, it's, it's like bread and butter move. Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, that, that's, that, that's a deep, deep well. In terms of, of professional wrestling. And I, I just have to say this because I work in PR and I, I've done that my entire life. 
And most PR people are so fucking terrible at what they do and at misunderstanding where public outrage actually is. It like they're so misplaced in their priorities. Hearing you say that, I'm going, God, my profession sucks and I hate the people in it. But uh, yeah, and it was funny because they sent me an email like, if you take photos, do not tag us on it. Right. Do not mention it. Do not do this. <laughs> and then the Westward, like three days later, put out this full like, you know, like spread of photos on their site. It's like wrestling at the pavilions. Lucha Libre and laughs like they made a big deal out of it. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, sorry, I don't control the media. Yep. That's a tough break. Um, when you're booking, uh, do you ever get pushback from talent? Like, you know, I should really go over here or. You know, this is sort of uh, how I understand uh, my character arc or my story arc going. What kind of pushback do you get? Not a whole lot because, I mean... I imagine not at the independent level. Yeah, I mean, not at the independent level. And, you know, also, I'm really good at this. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I um, love it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, most people, like, they'll they'll have their requests. They'll voice their concerns. Sure. Um, I've only had, like, one person ever, like, rip into me over a booking decision I okay. made. And it, you know, and I, and I admit it. I'm like, yeah, that was a dumb idea. I shouldn't <laughs> have done that. I apologized. But uh, You're never going to make it in this business, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry is a four-letter word. <laughs> show business but yeah it's like most people at a le- you know at a certain level it's like either a you know they 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 know the big picture for what they're doing or they know what their spot is or you know because i mean there i'm sure there's plenty of bookers who you know, are like okay and then i need you to do like four moonsaults and this and that <laughs> right. so, no, I'm, I'm not doing that <laughs> yeah of course not um how far out are you typically booking your product how, like what how long term are you thinking about Loosely, it? Loosely, I'm usually about six months ahead. Okay, wow. Because um, it's like right now, you know, we're having our first show of the year um, next Friday. It'll have happened in the past, people. No, 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 it won't. Uh, oh, because wow. this goes live on Wednesday. So your show is January 20th? Yeah, Friday, January 20th, this, 8 p.m. And we're going to do plugs yeah. at the end. But this uh, this episode is January 18th when it oh, goes cool. live. So. Well, hey, plenty of time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so um, where our first show is the 20th. I've already got things loosely booked through um, through June. Okay, and uh, you know when you're when you're talking to sort of the big name talent, you know, you mentioned Arya Davari. I've seen you've had you've had uh, Colt Cabana on before. How is it uh, booking those guys? How you know how is it getting their availability? What does that do to you know your overall cost structure? Do you factor that into your plans? Like how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because like the first time, the first per, the first name I ever brought out was Cabana. Yeah, and it was the first time I've ever like emailed a name like, hey, can you do my show? <laughs> right. Uh, and you know, and you know, he never he didn't know me. I didn't know him. But you know, it's that's how indie wrestling is. Yeah, he of came course. Out, did the show. It turned out really well. Despite it being a snowstorm in goddamn May, uh, is our first anniversary show. Um, after that, like you know, uh, Zach Gallon was the next guy. Yeah. What's Cabana like? He seems cool. He's he's the he's the nicest guy. Um, because I actually emailed him when he was coming out here to do a, a Lucha Libre and laughs a year ago, two years ago. I don't remember. Yeah, I bring him out like as much as I can. Right, of course. And he was so nice because I'm like, look, I have this podcast, big wrestling fan. I love your show because his show is tremendous. Oh, absolutely. Um, the Art of Wrestling is fantastic. And uh, he sent me a nice email back. He's like, look, I'm all, I'm only in and out. Thanks for the invitation. Good luck to you. And like, there, I've I've reached out to some name people before. 
he's one of the only ones who's ever like been nice enough to decline like via a, a very polite email. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a, he's a, like he's a, one of my favorite people. Like, he's yeah. a, he's one of those guys that if like he wasn't a huge star who was busy as heck, I'd have him on every show. Oh, of course. Um, and that's the nice thing is uh, with wrestling, like Cabana definitely. Um, he's one of those guys. Like same with thing with uh, Chris Hero. Yeah. Um, who's oh, another, who's back now in yeah, NXT? Yeah, he's, uh, he's you know Cassius Ono, so, <laughs> which explains why I couldn't. Uh, he wasn't. Uh, he was been a little wishy washy when I was talking about shows <laughs> with him. Because, you know, it's like you both book your first name. Well, if they have a good, good experience, they talk about it. Yeah. If they have a bad experience, they definitely talk about it. <laughs> so, you know, you, you know, it's like I bring out, you know, Cabana. Well, then I bring out Hero. I bring out, um, you know, the various people I brought, I bring out. Yeah. Well, then they, they go, Oh, well, that show was a blast at a great draw, whatever. And then it's like, Oh, well, it goes from cool. Well, I'll fly you out. You know, we'll pick you up. We'll do this. Uh, here's your fee to like, Oh, well, you know, I'll just sleep on your couch. <laughs> nice yeah so it's like you know you definitely like i said the more familiar and more you know sure. you know people because wrestling is wrestling promotions and fans and hangers on i hate saying is there's a lot of creeps no oh sure so there's a lot of people who are like oh you could sleep on my cousin's couch <laughs> and then you like wake up and they're like licking your feet or something weird yeah yeah yeah, you're like, oh, uh, I think your dog just shook off some cocaine. Yeah, uh, which, exactly. Yeah, uh, that's that's <laughs> exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's so funny. the The basic philosophy we have here, and you met my one of my two daughters. I, they're very young. One's two. One is six months old. Our basic philosophy here is work hard and be nice to people. Yep, that's uh, all it is. I mean, I, and that seems so difficult for some people sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you go, why is that so goddamn difficult? I I, I don't get it. Yeah, it, I mean it's true. It's yeah, it's like those are the two things. It's like, you know, like for Triple L, what you know, what you know, what do I do? Okay, well, I mean, I bust my ass promoting the shows, posters all over town, yep. create interesting, you know, interactive online stuff for it. Yeah, uh, you know, I work my ass off to make sure we have you know four to five hundred people per show. Yeah, and then it's like, okay, I make sure everybody who comes to the sh you know who works the show has fun, leaves with their <laughs> money in hand. I don't make up excuses if you know like had anything gone wrong. Yeah, you know, because occasionally, yeah, you do lose money on shows. Um, sure, you know, we. Uh, Recently did a, you know, we we're kind of launching a sub thing. We're going to, we're going to do a, another one soon called Ladies Night. Oh, okay. um, and you know, it was a great show, we, but we, you know, normally we have, you know, th you know, 350 to 450 is kind of our average. All right. We only drew about 250 on this one. Okay. But the reason is we were uh, directly up against a WWE house show in Colorado Springs. Oh, geez. Monday Night Raw was the next, the next night. SmackDown was the next night. The <laughs> hardcore wrestling fans had spent their money. Yeah. And, you know, we had uh, some, some, you know, high priced talent on there. And it's like, well, you know what? You just still make sure everybody has a blast. Everything works out smoothly. Everybody leaves here going, man, that show was a lot of fun to work at. Yeah, because, I mean, you're, you're playing a long game here. You know, you want... It, it takes a very long time to build a reputation. It takes only a couple of instances to yeah, destroy it. Yep, one bounce check is all it takes. Yeah, well, may, unless you're Paul Heyman. Yeah, well, then right. there's that. If, <laughs> but, they, but then that's where charisma comes in. Yeah, place. right. If, uh, if yeah, it's like, for example, we, we did a show in Omaha, and it was a blast. We had uh, Timmy Williams from Whitest Kids You Know doing comedy, mm, and Bobcat nice. Goldthwait was our headliner. <laughs> nice. And uh, our main event was uh, Sammy Six Guns, who's now yeah. uh, Dak Draper with uh, National Wrestling League in, uh, in Kansas City and St. Louis. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was him versus uh, Eugene. Oh, wow. And... We got uh, Bobcat involved in the finish. Nice. So we did this uh, crazy finish where uh, Six Guns goes to, um, or like Eugene's going to whip uh, Six Guns, Six Guns redirects, whips him, 
tying things back to the ref bumps, I get crushed in the corner. Yep. As Six Guns comes running in to, uh, to nail uh, Eugene as he gets up, he gets out of the way. As I stagger to my feet, I get laid to the <laughs> shit out. I am dead. Uh, well, Eugene gives Sammy Six Guns a stunner, covers him, and you know Sam, Sam and Nathan, the commentators, are like, "Oh my god, he's got him down. He's got a pin, but there's no referee. Or there's no referee." Bobcat Goldthwait runs out, dives under the ropes. One, two, <laughs> three, ding, ding, ding. Raises uh, his hand, nice. and then uh, Eugene told him to drop an elbow on him. <laughs> Or on uh, Six Guns. Yeah. So uh, Bobcat Goldthwait gives uh, Sammy Six Guns his best, uh, his best, uh, you know, uh, people's, you know, people's elbow. elbow. <laughs> and it was funny because, you know, Bobcat is not a big man. So it's like, no. this, it's like a 50 year old, uh, you know, comedian dropping an elbow on a six foot five, you know, 250 pound man. And I was, tr- I was trying not to laugh because Bobcat drops the elbow and then goes, are you okay? Did I hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, the, you, but you put that one little, you know, that one little match in perspective. Um, you know, Eugene, who's a very influential name in Midwest wrestling, yeah. he had a blast. He got to work with Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah. Bobcat Goldthwait, who's a very influential person in comedy and TV, he had, you know, he went away. He had the most fun. He, you know, he said he had a, he had an absolute blast. He got to get involved in a wrestling match. He loved it. He, he, you know, he, though, and then Eugene and, uh, Bobcat were like posting pictures from it on, uh, Instagram and Twitter for nice. like, so, like, they still pop up. Well, great juice for you guys too. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hell. Because, like I said, it's like everybody, like we had all these big names. Yeah, they all had the time of their life. They post about it, like, um, you know, like after that, when Bobcat was posting pictures from it, my Instagram uh, followers jacked up huge. Yeah, it just rained, right? Yeah. Same thing with um, last time he came out, uh, Cabana. He doesn't normally do this. He talked about my show. He mentioned me by name. Holy hell! On uh, his podcast, he talked about it for like three straight minutes. Jesus! As part of his opening, he was just talking about how he, you know coming out here and he was on one of the first shows and he's talking about like now it's like 500 people standing room only yeah. and he's just like Luch Libre and laughs Nick Gossard he's doing great <laughs> things I'm just like holy crap did that just happen because I woke up and I might I look at my phone and it's like yeah. my page had gotten like an extra hundred likes <laughs> my Instagram my Twitter like everything was blowing up I'm like what's this oh <laughs> the biggest wrestling podcast in the world he just Spent three minutes talking about me and my show. Yeah. And now, once again, that comes back to work hard and uh, be nice to people. That's pretty much all there is to it. And I, I remember the first time I saw an ad for your show, I was at the Oriental. Wait, was I? Yeah, I think I was at the Oriental, uh, probably for 48-hour film project or something. And I go, wait, what is this? And I saw a poster for it. And I'm like, Lucha Libre and Laughs. I'm like, holy shit. This is like, this is exactly my wheelhouse. Is your marriage of comedy and wrestling unique? You know, how did that sort of, like, how, how did that come to fruition? It, it kind of goes back to that, um, too much funstival story. Right. Because, you know, there was a show, it was, um, they did wrestling, and then a band played, and then it was like, uh, Jordan Dahl, Andrew Orvidal, and I think Ron Funches was, uh, on that one. Nice. And he loves wrestling. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, we've, we've talked, but it's just at this point, you can't book him. He's, He's yeah. too busy. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet of his. Uh, he was watching Raw, and Shawn Michaels was doing this dire comedy segment with Rusev. And Ron Funches tweeted, I've always said Shawn Michaels is the Marty Jannetty of comedy, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a, a great tweet. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, you know, but it was like we, we did that, and there was always like kind of that like – there's something there. Like there was, right. we could work something out. And then it was, um, and then I broke my hand like really badly. And I'd, uh, mm. and I was started listening to wrestling podcasts when I was, 
um, healing up and doing physical therapy. And when my heel, my hand was healed, I'm like, you know what? Let's let's just try this. You know, because uh, we like the original formula was a little different. Okay. Because we had a, a band playing between the comics and the wrestling matches, mm. and you know, it was uh, once again tying into something we just talked about. Callback. <laughs> uh, we were watching the you know, the Mania where Punk and Undertaker worked, and the god awful Cena Rock too. Um, and I, and I was like, it was me, Nathan Lund, um, Sam Talent, Jim Hickox, and Jordan Dahl. And I was just like, hey guys, I got this idea. And they're like, oh yeah, let's try it. And I was just like, cool. And I, like, I thought it was going to be something maybe we would just try. Yeah. It'd be like this fun little memory we had. And we ended up having a blast. It was financially successful. I was like, well, let's, let's, let's do this again. Yeah. And it just kind of snowballed and we kind of twerked, the, you know, twerked. Yeah. We twerked <laughs> all th- We just lined up and twerked. And just, we put our asses out oh, and yeah, we had a big that, night. We, we had to cut that segment real soon. Upset a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, but the the formula has very much been tweaked over over the last few years where, you know, we obviously we did away with the music after the first one. Sure. It's not um, like premium blend on Comedy Central. Like yeah. Shit, right. Yeah. And then like we were trying to like get it a little more in, uh, interactive and have like a trivia segment in the middle. And then, you know, just like the pieces fell together, getting Greg, uh, Bobby Valentino as the host, sure. uh, making things run a little bit smoother, very much an increase in quality of the wrestlers. Because it, it like some of those early ones were pretty rough because we had like really bad <laughs> wrestlers on them because I would I didn't know anybody and like right. the top guys didn't know who I was so they weren't you know we weren't talking so yeah and then like I said we just kind of you know increased the quality the quality the quality until we you know won the Westward you know best of Denver best comedy night award two years in a row yeah and it's like the the marriage of comedy and wrestling isn't unique to this show okay. um like for example in LA there's a show called Lucha Vavoom they also do stuff in Chicago it's not the same but uh, they'll have a comedian hosting the night okay. um but there's burlesque and oh. music and all sorts of crazy stuff so, so slightly different flavor yeah yeah it's a much it's a much more variety level variety show so it's very cabaret style yeah um my personal but they get like you know because it's LA and they have big sponsors. They have like Pat Oswalt host store. Oh uh, God! My personal favorite was I saw a video of Joel Hodson from uh, Mystery Science Theater oh, yeah. uh, hosting it, and he hosted it and did his set wearing a shark costume, <laughs> and never once mentioned or explained the shark costume. Love it. Um, and then I've heard like there's a couple other um, shows around um, that have had like they do like comedy with wrestling. Sure. Um, you know, so I mean, it's it's not like I you know it's as much as I'd like to just say yes, I've I'm blazing a trail here. <laughs> well, even if you look back on uh, ICP, right? Yeah, uh, Juggalo Championship Wrestling, which uh, you know they're they're doing tapes and they're calling him Cactus Sack, and uh, and that shit was funny. You know, and I, I'm not an ICP guy. Like, I mean, St. Clown Posse was not my musical style at all. You know, this weird horrorcore rap. But I saw their, I saw their wrestling tapes. I'm like, these guys are legit wrestling fans. Oh, yeah. And what they're saying is funny. Like, yeah. Well, um, yeah, like, uh, with, uh, uh, JCW, you know, they were running for the longest time in Detroit shows every Wednesday. Good and, Lord. Yeah. And they, and I mean, which is an exhausting thing to think of at the <laughs> indie level. Um, you know, they have huge wrestling stuff at, uh, the gathering, um, right? which is going to be in Colorado. And, uh, you know, you might see a certain handsome referee there. We'll see. Seriously? The gatherings coming to Colorado? Yeah. Oh, cause they got kicked out of, uh, what, what was that? Not standing rock. That's the pipeline thing. Yeah, um, but it's a good spot for it too. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, oh boy. That'd be, uh, that'd be the marriage of, of quite, <laughs> quite the disparate groups. Uh, one would think. 
Yeah, I can't even remember the name of the rock. Uh, Nathan Rabin always writes about uh, going to the gathering. Yeah, and I remember uh, like in, in uh, Cabana and uh, uh, Marty DeRosa, who's uh, yeah Marty the Moth. Yeah, no, no, Mar- uh, Marty DeRosa is oh, a comedian sorry. from uh, Chicago. Oh yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's like always does like the comedy stuff with uh, um, Colt Cabana. He hosts a great podcast called Wrestling with Depression, which is oh, wow. uh, comedians talking about mental illness. But um, those two are always there, and I follow their Instagram sure. when they're there, and they, it's just it's the craziest shit. Well, and they all they all talk about how fun like that like the gathering is. Oh yeah, like it's a great wrestling crowd apparently. I, but same kind of deal as you, because I mean ICP uh, from what I've read, they take care of their performers as much as they possibly can, oh, and everyone gets paid. And like you know, again, it's not a very difficult formula. Nope, and for some reason, a lot of people can't uh, can't figure that out yeah. because you hear. Hor- I mean, I, I, like one thing I've talked to, a, I've gotten a few stories from guys, and eventually I'll get a little more dedicated. I want to do a book about. <laughs> uh, it's going to be called uh, "The Long Walk Home," which is stories of uh, wrestlers who essentially have just been stranded because a promoter couldn't follow through. Right? Because there was a. I've he- I've heard so many horror stories. Like for example. Um, the like down in uh, um, the Carolinas in one of the big arenas WCW used to run. Mm-hmm. This guy was like, "Oh yeah, we'll fly in all these old WCW guys. We'll put on this show right here. It'll draw a billion people." Yeah, he didn't have any sponsors. They sold like three hundred tickets, <laughs> so he had to go back and tell like uh, you know like like Sandman and Raven and uh, a bunch yeah. of guys like I can't actually afford to pay you. Or there was a guy up in Canada just on the other side of the Michigan border. This one's legendary, even though it just was a couple of years ago, who he, you know, booked guys like Rhino and uh, I think Gowan was on it and Greg Iron. Right. Like some pretty really good indie yes. names. Yeah, some legit names. And he legitimately thought he could just he was going to be able to pay everybody and pay everything off based on the draw. Mm. And he didn't draw for crap because it's a first show. That doesn't always work out. Right. Uh, so he did what any anybody would do in these positions. He faked a heart attack and snuck out during the main. So that's some old school wrestling promoter oh, yeah. shit. There's a uh, so yeah so he so wrestlers were literally having to ask fans for rides back to Detroit. Oh my god! Yeah, how how bad is that? Well, it, if you're a fan and you know you get to share a car ride with Rhino, yeah, mm-hmm. which you know is really bad for your uh, for your shocks. I hear uh, uh, <laughs> could be, but yeah, uh, like one time uh, we, uh, we were we were going on a way to a show. Uh, my friend Brian was driving and Chris Hero was in the driver's seat and I was sitting behind Chris Hero. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, I weigh about 230, Chris Hero, you know, a bit more. Uh-huh. And, uh, and finally my friend dude. stopped. He goes, hey, Nick, can you slide over to my side? The car is actually tilting. <laughs> 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 or there's times like uh, even locally, um, this was years ago, there was uh, posters all over for a Lucha promotion. And they had all the biggest stars, like, you know, Ijo de Santo, Blue Demon Jr., yeah. Tannenblast Jr., uh, Ijo de Rey Mysterio. I mean, we're talking a murderer's row of the great Lucha Libre stars. Yeah. And I was just like, something doesn't feel right. Right. Just my carny senses was uh, <laughs> were tingling. And sure enough, all the local guys showed up super excited to work with their legends. Yeah. None of them were there. Yeah. None of them were booked. And the, and then they look out, it's at the Western complex and there's like 300 seats have been, or filled. The place is mostly empty. Mm. So they turned around, like find the promoter and he's gone. So he took the money and ran. And so they did what they could. They called every, all the other locals and put on, you know, nobody got paid. They just put on a show for these people who paid to see legends. So they're super disappointed. Yeah, of course. And I talked to one of the guys about the promoter. He's like, yeah, man, I can't believe he got us with that move again. Like again. 
God damn it. Fool me twice. Shame on me, buddy. Yeah. I, don't work with that person anymore, please. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Well, I, I could, I, I'll tell you, I could talk with you about this all day, but, uh, we're approaching an hour. We got to wrap up, which. Well, let's turn this over to the crowd. Two-parter, anyone? <laughs> two-parter, two-parter. They're, you know, hey, they're, okay, fine, fine. We'll, we'll take that. That, that was, that was well played. I've never had anyone turn it around on me like that. You got, you got chops, uh, doing that. Do you, uh, do you have any Mr. McMahon plans, uh, in your future playing the evil authority figure? No, I, that's such a, okay, play, thank that, God. That is such a played out thing at this point. It, it's like there's, I mean, a lot and way too many independent wrestlers do that. Oh, because really? A, it's um, it's it's an it's an easy one, and it's yeah. it's a well played trope, but it's exhausted. But I will say this: uh, unless your name is Dario Cuarto, do not do not do this. Like, yeah. like I'll have to say, he does an amazing job. He's tremendous. Oh God, yeah, he he makes you know, in in some ways he makes Lucha Underground. One hundred percent. And and watching season two, I think. You could call the rise of Mil Muertas, right? Mm-hmm. That was a great storyline. You're going, wow. Like this, this is like the idealized version. This is, let's call it the platonic ideal of the evil authority figure, uh, enacting his will upon his universe. Yeah. The other thing I liked that they built up and really paid off in season three was, uh, Marty the Moth versus Killshot. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, that big weapons of mass destruction match, you know, for like the, the, if people have not watched the show Lucha Underground, watch it on iTunes. It's worth spending a couple bucks yeah, on. Yeah, it, it's it's nuts. Yeah, and they did a big, crazy ladder match, and Marty the Moth uh, he got his head busted open pretty good. And they taped this, you know, they you know they tape. It's like a t- TV show. They don't oh, do yeah. it live or the week before. It's taped in big blocks. Well, when we were uh, we did our show at Ratio, Casals was telling you know Marty the Moth was telling us how you know because he got his head busted open pretty good, and they're like, yeah. okay, we're taking him to the hospital, but if they ask. You fell off a ladder. He's like, yeah, I, I know. I did fall off a ladder. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Do not mention wrestling. Oh, okay. Because they keep their storylines under wraps so yeah. tight. They don't want some ER nurse, you know, leaking, uh, <laughs> leaking storyline info. To Melter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, you started plugging earlier. And I will, I, I'll plug all day long. That's, uh, that's my way. Now is your time. So, uh, plug away. This is, uh, this is your time to point us to Triple L and anything else that you're up to. Absolutely. Um, Lucha Libre and Laughs. Um, our next show is Friday, January 20th, 8 p.m., live at the Oriental Theater. Uh, you can go to theorientaltheater.com or Lucha Libre and Laughs. Spell out the word L-A and land. <laughs> Spell out the word and Lucha Libre and laughs.com for information on that. Um, yeah, we're going to have one heck of a year. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Um, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sexpot Comedy, El Chirito, Voodoo, Voodoo Comedy Playhouse, The Comedy Room Room, Gavin Rambles On at Twitter. And um, yeah, I mean, and also if you're uh, needing some fun between Lucha Libre and laugh shows, come to Ratio Beer Works on Wednesdays. There's some great comedy shows, some great storytelling shows. And and I'm hosting a few of them, so uh, it tends to be a bit fun. <laughs> so, okay, if people want to get in touch with you or follow you, you on Twitter, you on Facebook, Lucha personally? Libre and Laughs on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, Lucha Libre and Laughs. You'll find it on every, pretty much every social media platform. Come check it out. We're pretty interactive. We post a lot of cool photos, videos, stuff like that. It's fantastic, Nick. This was an enormous thrill, a, a great pleasure. I love getting the chance to talk wrestling, especially with someone such as yourself who has experience that I don't have. And uh, let me look through the keyhole. I really appreciate it. Well, you are welcome. <laughs> well, continued success to you, Nick. Thank you. 
Count the one, two, three. This week's episode is over. Episode 121 has come to an end with Nick Gossert, the head honcho, the main dude, the booker man at Lucha Libre and Laughs. Big thanks to him for taking some time out of his day and chatting with me about all things wrestling. The insight in here was fantastic, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. Now go see Lucha Libre and Laughs. It's coming up this Friday, January 20th. All the info is at the John of All Trades website, J-O-N-of-all-trades.us. Let's pay some love to our sponsor, 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. If you're building a campaign, if you're trying to build a coalition, if you're trying to reach people on social media, 4Degrees is the best way of doing that. They are a company that understands the communications channels and how to craft a message that resonates with the people who need to hear it most in terms of your product, your service, or your campaign. Whatever it is you're doing, 4Degrees has the right solution for you. The number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Deft is on the web at www.deftcom.us. Training, content, and engagement. If you're doing something in the public space, give Deft a call. We can probably help you. We're off next week. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Stay up to date on that. New episode previews go up on Monday on Facebook only. So J-O-A-T pod. And new episodes drop on Wednesday. So until I see you back here in two weeks, say goodnight, crazy. That's good, Johnny.